Okay, so now we continue with the blessings that Yaakov gives to his children before he passes away. We're holding by the blessing of Zevulun. So Yaakov says to Zevulun, you will dwell, or Zevulun will dwell on the seashore. He will be by all the ports, by all the harbors, where all the uh, people are doing business and transporting goods and selling goods, and etc. He will be a very, very successful businessman. He'll be in the import-export business. It's a very Jewish business. He'll make a lot of money. He'll be very, very successful. And the tribe of his, its northern border will be on Tzidon. And the tribe of Yisachar will be like a strong-boned donkey. Why a strong-boned donkey? Because in order they will be the teachers of the Jewish community, the rabbis of the community. In order to be a rabbi and to carry the load of the community, you need to be strong-boned. Otherwise, uh, you'll crack, I guess. So therefore, Yisachar, we know when Moshe Rabbeinu blesses the tribes before he passes away, he compare, he connects Yisachar and Zulon and says that, oh, Yisachar, rejoice in your tent and, and you're going out and Zulon in your tent because there was a partnership. Yisachar did business and they supported the Torah study of Zulon, who was, sorry, I got the way around. Zulon went out of business and they supported the Torah study of Yisachar, who were the teachers of the community. So they go together. Zul is on the seashores making money. Yisachar is living, it says, a strong-boned donkey that is between the towns. Donkeys will take journeys, but the rabbis will travel to teach the people. Uh, he will choose. He will see a place of rest that is good, meaning a land that is pleasant, and he will bend its shoulder to accept this burden of carrying the weight of Torah study and to teach the people all the rulings. However, also when it comes time for war, he will also bend his shoulder, not only a time of peace to teach Torah, the time of war he'll bend his shoulder, he'll be making the people, first he'll be a servant serving the people, the Jewish people, and in the time of war he'll bend his shoulder in order to make the enemies of the Jewish people become a servant paying taxes to the Jewish people. It's in the same words in two different contexts, two different meanings. Okay, so that's Yisachar, who is the rabbis, but who will also be willing to fight the wars and to make the enemies subservient to the Jewish people. And then we come to Dun. Dun is a short blessing. Dun, Yad and Amoy. The tribe of Dun will avenge its people of their enemies. And the other nations, Ka'acha Shifti, so like one of the other tribes of Israel, meaning that the other tribes will hide or gather behind Dun, they will be on the border and they will protect the Jewish people from the enemies that they will have to fight against. Um, that's how Rashi explains it. He will be like a Dun Nachash. He'll be like a snake on the road, a viper on the path, biting the horse's heel so the rider falls backwards without ever having the, the snake kills a rider by biting the foot of the horse. Without ever touching the person, the snake kills the person. This is a reference to a descendant of the tribe of Dun. Who comes from the tribe of Dun? Shimshon, Samson the Mighty. And when Shimshon, we all know the story of Shimshon, right? He was a Nazarite and he was very, very powerful. He killed many, many Philistines to protect the Jewish people. Eventually, his wife Delilah uh, ran him out and told the Plishtim the secret of his strength. And he was arrested and they poked out his eyes and they chained him up in this huge like ballroom, where they were showing off their conquest. They were showing, they kind of came in to embarrass him and to humiliate him at this big party. 
And he prayed to Hashem. He said, God, give me back my strength one last time. And God gave him back his strength. And he pushed out the two pillars that they had chained him to in the middle of the building. He pushed them out and the entire building collapsed. And everyone upstairs fell downstairs and they all, everyone died in the ruins. So this is like this horse that kills the snake, sorry, that kills the rider on the horse without ever touching the rider. Just by touching the horse, he pushed out the walls and everyone in the buildings died. And therefore, he ends off, Yaakov ends off the blessing for done by saying the following three words. Hashem, I hope for your salvation, O God. Because he saw prophetically in the future when, when Shimshon will be in this very difficult situation, so Yaakov is already prophetically praying for Shimshon, the descendant of the tribe of Dan. I will tell you that there are other ways of interpreting this, these verses, that the blessing of Dan is not that they live on the uh, border where they avenge their enemies uh, in a reference to Shimshon, Rather, it's a reference to when the Jewish people traveled. When the Jewish people traveled in the desert, Dun was the last tribe to travel. They were what's called the rear guards, right? They traveled in the back. And they would defend the Jewish people from anyone who tried to attack the Jews in the rear. And any items that would get lost, and would get, you know, fell behind. Any people that were stragglers. You have people that get lost. You have items that get lost. And you have Jews that get lost. And those Jews that got lost and they got a little blundered and they didn't know where they were going. Somehow, like, we're going on the trip, right? And like one guy, like, you know, disappears, you're busy, I don't know. So Dun was there to collect the stragglers that got lost and to bring them back into the Jewish people. Therefore, he's by he, he, he like the rider that rides in the back to uh to to save those that are like the heel that fall down to bring them up. Anyway. Next blessing is a blessing for the tribe of God. God gedud yigedenu. Uhu yagud akim. It says every day in our Shema. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a verse in the Torah, but it's also used Kabbalistically. You say this verse, it's also a verse said in reverse. A verse said in reverse to give protection. So God gedud yigedenu, which means that, that God, the tribe of God, will have troops that will march forth from God, and they will return on their same tracks after having conquered their enemies, without having suffered any casualties. This is a reference to the tribe of God when the Jewish people come to the Jordan River. Where does the tribe of God live? The tribe of God will come to Moshe Rabbeinu and say, we want to be on the other side, on the east side of the Jordan River, because it's very fertile over here for our flocks. And originally Moshe says, no, don't, don't allow the Jews to get afraid of going into battle. And they say, no, we're willing to fight. We'll go in the front. We'll fight, for, we'll build homes for our families. We'll go across the Jordan. We'll fight for the Jewish people to conquer the land. And only after the land is conquered, we go back home to our families. So God, from God, will go out troops to go into the Jordan, across the Jordan, to go into Israel, to fight for the land of Israel for the Jewish people. And they will return back on their, where they came from without having lost any armies. So this verse is actually used as a segula when you're for protection. So it's a war. And then in reverse, So the same verse backwards. Anyway, yeah, like I said, pretty fast. I say it every night in the Shema before the sleep. So that's why I know it so easily. Okay, next, the blessing of Asher. There's more to say, but I want to finish the blessing so we can finish this week. From Asher. Asher will have a land of tremendous riches. He will have all the oil trees, the olive oil trees, the olive trees. The oil is in Iran, but I'm saying the olive trees. I'm sure there's oil in Israel today too, actually. But all the olive trees 
will be in the territory of Asher, and therefore they will be the ones who will provide the king's delicacies because they're going to have very oily, fatty, juicy foods. So the time when oil was still, you know, fatty foods was considered good. From the territory of Asher will come the, the delicacies of the king. The Gemara tells us a story. The Gemara says a story that there was once a guy traveled from Ludika or whatever, someplace, looking for oil, and they came to, oh, you have to go to this guy from the tribe of Usher. And he came to this guy, found this guy, and said, you have a hundred manna worth of oil, which is a huge amount of oil. So he said, sure, wait here until I finish the day. What, working, I'll take you home, I'll give you. So he's waiting, he's guys like working in the field. Anyway, comes into the, the day, they're walking, this guy puts his like uh, stuff on his, his tools on his back, starts walking home. He's got any servants, nothing, he's walking, carrying his own tools. He's not gonna have a hundred manna worth of oil, it's a lot of oil. Anyway, and then on the way to walk, you see how he's like clearing bricks or stones off the side of the road. So things, <laughs> excuse me, he thinks to himself, he's just made a fool out of me. Anyway, they come to his home, and the maid comes out with a golden bowl of boiling hot water from the washer's hot water from the washer's hands and his feet. And then after he washes hands and his feet, she brings out a gold bowl of oil for him to dip his feet into, just like massage his feet, his hands in the oil, <clears throat> which is exactly what the prophecy over here that they're going to have so much oil. They're going to they're gonna adorn themselves in the oil. And then after they ate, he brings out a hundred manna worth of oil. And the guy tells him, this guy, Ludika, says, you need more oil. So he got no money. So I'll give it to you on credit. He gives you more oil. He couldn't find enough donkeys to carry home all the oil that he needed to bring back home with him. Anyway, that's the blessing of Asher, who will live in a very rich territory full of oil. Then you come to the blessing of Naphtali. Naphtali, we are told, is like a deer. As swift as a deer set loose, providing choice words as soon as the need arises. So he gives nice imre shafer. He's a deer that runs with good news. This is what happened when Yaakov died. We're going to learn tomorrow at this funeral. They didn't have the papers. Naftali was the one that was sent home to go and find the papers because he went very quickly. In addition, Naftali is also considered like a deer because he lives in the territory that the food, the produce, will ripen very, very quickly. So the grain, the wheat, etc., in his territory will become ripe very quickly. And therefore, it's like a, uh, mm-hmm. like, a, like a deer that comes, the food comes ripe quickly. Then we come to the blessing of Yosef. Yosef is called a ben poros Yosef. Yaakov says about his son, you are a pleasing, a charming man. The poros is like from the word chen, says Rashi. Chen is like grace, pleasing. You are a pleasing son. Ben poros ale oyin. You are so pleasing that the eye wants to look upon you. When someone is very, very beautiful, you want to look at them because they're so beautiful. Yosef is so beautiful that people want to look at him just to gaze at his beauty. In fact, the girls of the tribe of, of Egypt will climb up on the wall just to catch a glimpse of you as you were traveling in your chariot. Just to see you, the girls will climb up on the walls to put their eyes upon you. In addition, you put yourself up like a wall to block my brother Asa from seeing your mother, Rachel, and therefore you inherited this beauty because how you protected the beauty of your mother. Another thought, another explanation, a little further. Ben Poyres Yosef means that Yosef is a very beautiful, charming son. Ben Poyres Ali Oyin. Ali Oyin means not that it's charming to pleasing to the eye to look, but that there's no evil eye. So even though Yosef is very beautiful and very good to look at, he nevertheless will not have, will be immune to the ayin ra, hara, to the evil eye 
of something like something beautiful, people get jealous. They, 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 they have a hard time being happy for this person's beauty. Yosef will be protected from the evil eye of others. Why does he merit this blessing to be so pleasing and be protected from the evil eye? Because Yaakov continues, The brothers tried to make his life bitter and they tried to become his assailants. They tried to fight against him. They tried to terrorize him. And they tried to sell him as a slave, etc. And then uh, they threw sharp t- arrows against him with their tongue. They spoke very harshly against him. And so too, his life was made bitter by Potiphar's wife. Verevu and she fought against him and she had him falsely accused with her sharp uh, words, her arrows, which she accused him of things he didn't do. And she had him imprisoned. And nevertheless, they, they threw against him. Another explanation, they, sh- they made her bitter. Sorry, Potiphar's wife made his life bitter. But here, the, the arrows, is not the arrows that Potiphar's wife threw against Yosef. He himself took his own semen that was about to come out, sharp like an arrow, come shooting out, and he pushed it into the ground with his nails. Meaning, says the marriage, he put his nails, he got excited, and Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him. So he got excited, he had semen was about to come out, about to ejaculate. He put his fingers into the ground, and through digging into the ground, the semen came out through his fingers instead of through his organ, and this protected him from the sin, and therefore, because of that, he merits to be protected from the evil eye. Since he protected himself from the eye of Potiphar's wife, therefore, he will be protected from the evil eye. Uh, Yaakov continues, and he says his prophecy about his brothers bowing down to him was fulfilled. Why? Because he relied on the strength of Hashem. And therefore his power was established by the hand that was given the ring of Pharaoh, by the hand of Hashem, who gives energy, who sustains the people of Israel. And since then, he has become a roya even Yisrael. He has become a shepherd of the Jewish people. He was the one that gave food to all the Jews when we came to Israel, when we came to Egypt. He became the Roya, the shepherd of Evan Yisrael, of the founder of the people of Israel by providing for my welfare and for the welfare of the tribes. In addition, he continues and he says to Yosef, Me'el avicha that from the God of your father, he has helped you. He has been with you, and he will help you in the future. And Hashem, Yud, he will come and he will bless you. What blessing will he give to you? The blessings of the heavens above and the blessings of the earth below. Remember, what's the blessing that Yitzchak gave to Yaakov? From the heaven, from the fat of the heaven, the dew of the earth. So he's saying, you will get even more than those blessings. The blessing that you got from the blessing given upon me, your father, was even greater than the blessing given upon my forefather, upon Avraham. And therefore, now I'm giving the same blessings to you, to the uh, inherit the entire land, to get the hills of Israel, and may my blessings rest upon the head of Joseph, upon the head of the one who was separated from his brothers. Separated from the words, separated from his brothers, could also mean who held himself above his brothers. Nazir could be a Nazarite. What's a Nazir? He holds himself on a higher level of holiness, of, of, of sanctity. And therefore, 
he held himself on a higher level of sanctity. He did not allow himself to engage in the way his brothers did and be jealous and, uh, you know, uh, try and get revenge to them, but to not be like them. And therefore, he held himself above. He became like a king above them. Nazir could also be like a, a crown, a fence, like a crown. He had a crown on his skull above, above his brothers. And finally, so then with the question, Binyamin. Binyamin is like a wolf that grabs. Binyamin is compared to a ze'ev. What's a ze'ev? A wolf that grabs. That uh, there was an opportunity when there was a whole story where there's a war among the Jewish people or a, a fight where there's a, a concubine from the tribe of Binyamin that was killed and the people made a vow not to marry the people from the tribe of Binyamin. And then when the opportunity came for them to do teshuva, instead of them saying, we were right, not repenting, the tribe of Binyamin grabbed, like a wolf that grabs the opportunity to do teshuva very quickly, and then they grab the women for themselves to replenish their tribe because their tribe was dying out because no other tribes would marry into their tribes. Um, in addition, Binyam will be like a wolf that will grab the prey from its owner um, and use it, for, take away from unholiness and to use it for holiness. He will be a wolf. In the morning, he will eat uh, of the plunder, and in the evening, he will devour, he will distribute the spoils of the enemy. So here you have Binyamin in the morning and in the evening. Where do you see Binyamin in the morning of Jewish history? In the morning of Jewish history, the very first king of the Jewish people before King David was Shaul. Shaul was from the tribe of Binyamin. And then after the first temple was destroyed and the Jewish people were taken into the exile, who was a leader of the Jewish people? that divided the spoils of the house of Haman, Mordechai and Esther. The house of Haman was given to Mordechai. What tribe is Mordechai from? Binyamin. Ben Kish Ish Yemini, from the tribe of Binyamin. So therefore, he'll be like a wolf that grabs Babaikar the morning. The first king of the Jewish people will be Shaul from Binyamin. And in the evening, to divide the spoils of the house of Haman, in the evening after the destruction of the temple, to divide the spoils of the house of Haman will be Mordechai from the tribe of Binyamin. And then Yaakov concludes the blessings and he says, all of these are the tribes of Israel, 12 tribes. Here we see that they're all equally righteous, all 12 of them. And this is what God, their father, Yaakov, spoke to them. He blessed them, meaning each and every one of the tribes received a blessing. Even though it may seem that some of the blessings did not receive a, a blessing, some of the tribes, sorry, did not receive a blessing. It seems like they got, you know, rebuked, etc. They were also blessed. Each person was blessed according to the blessing that they needed to get. Sometimes a blessing comes to the sky as a rebuke, but it's always a blessing. Each man, according to his blessing, he blessed them. What should it have said? Each man, according to his blessing, he blessed him. Berach Oto. Why say he blessed them plural? To mean that not only did each tribe receive its own individual blessing that was relevant for them, every tribe was blessed, but in addition, every tribe was blessed with all the other blessings of the other 12 tribes as well. So each man was given their blessing, Asher Berach Osam, that he blessed to all of them, meaning the tribe of Yehuda, let's say the blessing of being a lion club, or being a wolf that grabbed, or being a fast as a deer, or being like the snake that kills the enemy, etc., etc. These blessings were given not just to that particular tribe, but all the tribes got the blessing. It was most revealed, the most dominant in that one particular tribe, but all the blessed tribes were blessed, 
And all the blessings were given to all 12 tribes.